0: Welcome to the Southridge Baptist Church Podcast. We are currently in part three of our series entitled, The I Am Says That I Am. Through this series, we are learning how to connect who God says we are with who we truly want to be. So prepare your hearts to hear a powerful word from God today as we listen to this morning's message entitled, More Than Meets the Eye. Welcome back to another week at Southridge Baptist Church. So glad that you are here. I hope you were able to uh, have a good start to the morning. We're excited to kick off the third part of our series that we've been titled, The I Am Says That I Am. Well, we're going to kick off right kind of where we left off last week. I'm excited about just uh, bringing the message to you. Welcome. This is your first time here. You are our VIP, our special honored guest. Hopefully you grabbed uh, um, some coffee on your way in or anything like that. We're just glad that you are here. We're going to be in Genesis chapter number six this morning. Excuse me. Judges chapter number six. Judges chapter number six. Throughout my life, I've gone through several phases. Um, I can remember back when um, I was younger, I would hop through phases so quickly, it was always difficult for my parents to, like, buy me a Christmas gift because I might really be into, like, G.I. Joe's and uh, ladies. They're not dolls, okay? When a guy plays with them, they're action figures, okay? My sisters would be like, your dolls are on the floor. They're not dolls. They're action figures, okay? So just so you know that, just got to clarify that. But uh, I would be into G.I. Joes, or I'd be into Transformers or something like that. And then Christmas would come around, and uh, I would already be out of that phase, and my parents would give me more G.I. Joes and cars, and be like, don't you know I'm already out of that phase? Uh, I've gone through the phase where uh, for a long time I worked on a ranch, so I was in a total – it doesn't – quite fit around here. I would wear boots everywhere, cowboy boots. I was kind of a hick-looking kind of guy. You know, jeans that looks like somebody taking a brush and just kind of paint them on your legs so tight, very uncomfortable to wear, but just what cowboys did, you know, and uh, flannel shirts, and I was just into the whole cowboy road horses, still do that, still enjoy it, but I I was into that phase. I mean, I've been in the uh, skater phase. I know you don't really picture the whole skater phase, we would, uh, but it wasn't skateboarding, it was rollerblades back then, okay, and so we were into rollerblading, and we were just jumping whatever we could find, and so we were jumping trash cans, we were jumping shopping carts, jumping out of shopping carts, and, uh, you know, you you fall down so many times, you're just like, I'm I'm done with this, you know, I went through a musical phase, uh, played the trumpet, that lasted a little while, Um, I went through a martial arts phase, and I kind of alluded to this last week, that lasted two weeks. And uh, that didn't last very long. You say, why didn't that phase last? It it wasn't that um, I didn't enjoy it. It was that uh, every Friday was where we would spar. And I love Fridays because basically it was a free-for-all. I mean, you know, they, you've seen the octagon where it's kind of a free-for-all, just whatever martial arts you want to use, go, go at it. That's kind of what I thought sparring was. And so um, the guy, the, uh, the, the guy who was Leading that Dojang, he was there, and he he on purpose. He was like, I'm going to pair you up with this person." And I saw in front of me, they, this person is probably I'm only five foot eight, but this problem could this person couldn't have been more than five foot two or five foot three. This person had a black belt, but I was like, they're so much smaller than me. This is going to be so much fun. I'm just going to kind of, you know, the, those days of rough days of growing up in a pastor's home, you know, learning to fight the deacon's kids. I'm going to pull out some of those moves that I learned back then, and, and I'm just going to take this person out. And I remember getting ready, and I was just going to do like a roundhouse kick, and then it's going to be done over. Or I, I was thinking through all this stuff in my mind. And, uh, you know, the guy kind of does the whole um, uh, uh, fight, you know, thing. So you, you, you get lined up in your stands stance and so i was lined up my stance and i was going to throw the first kick but it, it it's all a blur now it really is it happened so fast okay and uh, you say well what happened next this is this is reality all i remember is waking up and i'm on my back and i'm looking straight up and i could taste a little blood in my mouth and i was like i don't know what happened But something happened, and I'm down here. And it was like, at that moment, the person, you wear this headgear, so you don't really see the face of the person. At that moment, she took off her headgear, and I said, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. That, that's it. I'm not getting beat up by a girl. I was like, this is disgrace. And Raul, cover your ears. I know he'll use this one against me, you know, for like the rest of my life. But it was one of those phases that didn't last too long. But we hop from phase to phase. You could be in a car phase. You could be in a music phase. You can be into a movie phase. You could be in a comic book phase. And I, we're going to take a few minutes. And I want you to tell the person next to you what's the – phase that you were in the longest tell somebody whatever phase maybe you're still in the phase just tell somebody next to you just kind of talk to them get to know them say I don't like the person next to me get to know them just tell them hey what kind of phase you went in through just take a minute and uh, there's all different kinds of phases that we hop through and we go through in life and uh, problem is you and I we wrap up our identity in the phase don't we for some of us, our identity is that phase for that moment whatever phase you 're into that 's kind of your identity whoever you 're surrounding yourself with and we go through all kinds of phases and some of us that hobby becomes our identity you could say hey where is so and so every saturday morning they're on they're on the driving range they 're just hitting golf balls or or where is this person oh they 're running or where is this person they they're they 're uh, they're doing some type of exercise or or this person they're often they surf or we 've got all these phases but what happens even in our christian lives it seems like we got phases you ever feel like one day you're you're in the christian phase and the next day you're like what happened was that just a phase Was the decision I made last Sunday just a phase? I mean, it barely got me through Monday. Didn't last till Tuesday. And so sometimes when we look at our identity, it's kind of one of those things where it just kind of seems like a phase that we're going through. Um, Some of you may remember when Garth Brooks went through a phase that he wanted to be a rocker. He changed his name to Chris Gaines. That didn't last long at all. He went right back to it. He even had a movie that he wanted to come out with, and he wanted to go, uh, instead of being Garth Brooks, he wanted to be known as Chris Gaines, and it just it tanked. They said he lost $2 million in trying to rebrand himself because he was going through this, this other, this, uh, going for a new identity, and sometimes you and I, we do that exact same thing. We feel like we're one person the next day, and then we totally, totally change we're going to be looking this morning last week we looked at the character of jacob and jacob had some definite identity crisis He felt like he had to pretend to be somebody in order to prove something so that he could become something. And you and I can, uh, we have those same tendencies where we feel like I've got to prove something so I can get acceptance from here or the approval of this person. And Jacob, that was the kind of what kept him bound in his life. Well, this morning, we're going to look at, um, I have a bad habit. I I write too many messages. You say, what do you mean? What happens to me, I'll do my personal devotions, but then I'll do my message study. They're not one of the same. They're two separate ones. And what will happen my devotions God will just be speaking to me and God speak me out of one passage and then and the study that I'm going through for the sermon series out of one and so I I wrote two and this morning I'm going to put the two together so I hope this works you know I've heard this can go all kinds of bad ways and don't worry you're thinking he already preaches long this is gonna be a really long one no no, no don't worry we'll still be out on the same time we'll cut it off once the credits come for the next movie we got to go anyway so you know uh, don't worry about that all right we're not going to go longer but I'm going to combine these two messages and there here's what I hope it'll do okay i'm hoping that this will kind of explain some things in your life and explain some things about maybe your boss you say what yeah maybe why your boss acts the way they do or maybe why your spouse acts the way they do or maybe why when you got pulled over the last time you got such and such a treatment Or maybe when you went in a store and you were checking out, the person didn't treat you with the utmost respect that typically Walmart is well known for having, facetiousness added, you know, no, that doesn't always happen. But uh, um, y- 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 you meet these people and you what thinking, what, what's wrong here? Because we're going to deal with this topic of insecurity. Because we look at our identity, we have to deal with our insecurities because that's linked to our identities. But insecurity, as I begin to do a study, is not just one thing. Insecurity has two sides to it. But they're both insecurity, and we're going to look at those this morning. But before we get into that, I want us to bring a couple statements. And first of all, my belief will determine my behavior. What I believe about me will determine how I behave. And I've used the classic illustration. We've all seen the American Idol contestants who their grandma, somebody told them they're amazing and they get out there. And they're terrible. They're awful. They're laughable. That's why they made it on primetime television. And then they interview them afterward and they're like, ask them how did it go? And they're like, it was awesome. It was amazing. I'll see you in Las Vegas. I'll see you in LA. I'll see you in New York. They have these high hopes, but they're just, they have a belief, but it's not based in reality, but it is affecting their behavior. Also, second statement, insecurity is the ultimate insult against God, and that's a heavy-handed statement. And we're going to really dive into what that statement, we're going to unpack it this morning. That insecurity is the ultimate insult against God. Because it doesn't so much have to do with me, it has to do with what we think God has made us and done with us. And we're going to deal with that this morning. Well, if you have your Bible, Judges chapter number 6. If not, the words, it'll be right up on the screen. And we're going to start in verse number 11. And we're going to look at this character by the name of Gideon this morning. This Old Testament character. The Bible says, and there came an angel of the Lord and sat... Under an oak, which was an ophrah, yes, she's very old. She got started a long time ago, and pertained unto Joash the Aberzite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with you, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my lord. If the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of sin, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Now, here, here, here's the scene, okay? jacob last week he had what we call the christophany this is a this is the pre-incarnate christ coming to visit him this is the same jesus christ that'll walk the earth that was born of mary this is a pre-incarnate christ this is him he is now sitting under a bush and instead last week it was jacob he was talking to this week it's gideon that he's talking to and god the first words that come out of his mouth is as he looks at gideon says you are a mighty man of valor you are strong you are mighty that's what god said about gideon but then what does gideon say thank you for the compliment. You know, that's awesome. Thank you. Always thought so. Kissed his guns or something like that. No, no, that's not what he did. He goes on a little tirade to blame God about his situation. And some of us, we can't move forward for God because we're still looking back in the past, blaming God for things. And God's coming now in this situation saying, hey, here's what I want to do through you. And we're the type that we're just going to kind of say, you know, what, I'm going to get my licks in now if I can. Verse number 14, the Lord looked upon him and said, go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? You say, who are these Midianites? Let me do just a little background. For the last several years, the Midianites would come, and every time the Israelites would have a harvest, the Midianites would come in and would steal the harvest. They would come and steal the food. It's kind of like you parents, you go grocery shopping, teenagers get home, And it's like, I just went shopping. It's the same thing, same thing. It's the same principle, okay? All your food is gone. The teenagers ate it. Same thing with the Midianites. They came in and they took all the food. So there was no food. And so that's why Gideon is threshing this wheat. He's hiding it in a wine press. I was in Israel, and I saw what these old wine presses look like, and they were deep down so the wine, as they would squish the grapes or compact it, the juice would flow into it. So it's hidden. It's not above ground. It's below, and it's hidden so nobody would see it, because the way you thresh wheat is you throw it up into the air, and then what happens is the seed and the chaff, those are separated, okay? And so if you were throwing it up in the air, the Midianites might see you, and they would send raiders, and they would come and they would take it from you, possibly killing you, possibly killing the servants. And so that's why he's threshing in a wine press. He's hiding so when he throws it up in the air, nobody can see it. So he's down. He's hiding. Some of you feel like this this morning. You feel like I'm not living in victory. I'm not living the full Christian life. I'm in hiding. I'm down. I'm in a place where um, I, I, I don't want anybody to notice me. I'm just kind of flying under the radar. This might be a phase. I'm not really sure about it, but I'm just kind of stay out of sight, out of mind. I love it how God found him. I love how God went to where he was. I love how even in the midst of a difficult situation, there God came into that situation. Even better yet, I love how the Bible says, verse number 11, the angel of the Lord sat down. You say, why is that significant? Where is Jesus right now? The Bible says he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You say, what's the big deal about that? When I am seated, it means I'm at ease with the situation. It means I feel in control of the situation. God said, I don't have anything to worry about. God said, I'm gonna sit down. Gideon's not sitting down. Gideon's hiding. But God, sitting next to a tree, is saying, I got this under control. I have nothing to worry about, nothing to fear. That should be a great comfort to you this morning, that God is not standing up saying, oh, man, what are we going to do? Oh, pacing back and forth. God's not doing that. God is sitting up in heaven, and he knows exactly what you're going through in your situation. He knows the financial situation. He knows your health isn't good. He knows the background. He knows exactly what you need, and he's sitting down because he knows he's in control. He's in control of that situation, and so that's Gideon. Instead of recognizing that, Gideon is suffering from insecurity in this passage. Let's keep on reading. The Bible says, and the Lord looked upon him and said, go in this, thy might. Thy might. God called him a mighty man, and then he said, go in that might. Go in the strength you have. You see, some of you, you're waiting for God to just kind of, man, just blast you with some might and courage. And God said, no, no, I've given you all you need. Go and do what I've called you to do. And so he said, go in this, the strength that you have. And here Gideon, he says, and verse 15, oh, my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house, and the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. So that's Gideon. Gideon is suffering from insecurity, folks. But I want to bring our attention to a second character. And if you have time, if you brought your Bible, that's fine. If not, let me read it to you. I In my devotions, I couldn't get away from another character in the Bible. His name is Saul. Not Saul, who later becomes Paul in the New Testament, but Saul, the first king of Israel. Saul, the one who was anointed by Samuel, as I began to study his life, specifically after David killed Goliath in chapter 17. And then in chapter 18, the Bible says this. And... David went out whithersoever Saul sent him. Saul saw what David did. Say that ten times fast. Saul saw what David did. That's that's a little tongue twister. And uh, he saw what happened, and he saw how David behaved himself wisely, and Saul sent him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass, as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the women came out of the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands. And Saul liked that. Slain his thousands. Man. And, you know, David's riding on a horse, and so they're walking together, and he's like, yeah, buddy, just wait one day. <laughs> you know, you'll kind of, uh, kind of, you'll arrive one day. It's okay. It's all right. But that's not where the lady stops singing. Matter of fact, this is where it kind of starts to get to his ego. The Bible says this. And David, his ten thousands. It was like, wait a minute, I'm the king. David is my servant. David is just a young man. But now David is getting more accolades. So we see, and many of you would say, no, 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 that's not insecurity, that's jealousy. No, no, it is insecurity. Jealousy is the fruit of insecurity, and we're going to see that, okay? And verse number eight, the Bible says, and Saul was very Wroth he was angry And the saying displeased him he said They have ascribed unto David ten thousand And to me they have ascribed but Thousands literally I mean it's fictitious okay David has not literally killed Ten thousand people but yet he just can't get over this. And Saul literally has not killed thousands. But here's Saul throwing a little pity party. You could tell him, you could see him maybe going back to mom's house. You know, his wife wouldn't put up with this. But you could see he'd possibly go to his mom's house. And his mom just might put up with his little whining saying, you know, oh, David, he's my servant. They said he's killed 10,000. And poor little old me only killed 1,000. You know, just whining, just pathetic. And here we see what he's going to do because of this. Insecurity that he has He's going to do some terrible things and the bible says "And saul eyed david from that day forward it Means he was angry with him He thought bad things against him and it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from god came upon saul And he prophesied in the midst of the house and david played with his hand as at other times And there was a javelin a spear in saul's hand and saul was Insecure about David, and Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. Twice. Here is Saul, he's so insecure that he's tried to just say, I'm just gonna kill David. In broad daylight, not even be sneaky about it. David's playing his heart, trying to calm his spirit, and Saul's got a javelin, and he's thinking, There's David. I'm insecure about him. I'm going to try to kill him. Throws a javelin at him. The Bible says it didn't just happen once. Happened twice. What is it? Fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame shame on you, shame on me. David, I'm like, what are you doing, man? I mean, one death threat, that's enough. I'd be going back to Bethlehem, and I'd be like, back to my sheep. They're not trying to kill me. Verse number 11, and Saul cast the javelin, and then verse number 12, and Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from him and made him captain over a thousand and went out and came in before the people. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Wherefore when Saul saw that he behaved himself wisely, he was afraid of him. This morning we're going to look at the contrast, I've simply entitled this message, There's More to You Than Meets the Eye. There's more to you than meets the eye. Let's ask the Lord for his help this morning. Dear Grace, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this time that we could be together. I pray that you would speak to hearts. I pray that you encourage those. I thank you for those that have come, that have visited here. I pray that this message would help them. I know in our lives there are things that we are insecure about. There are things that we have apprehensions about. And I pray that this morning, just like you said to Gideon, go in this thy might, that we would take that same challenge, that we would go back to our families in our might, that we would go back to our jobs in our might that you've given us. And I pray that we'd be strong in you that realize that the battle is the Lord's. We'd realize our our help comes from you to realize that you are our source of strength, that you are our source of comfort. You are the source that's going to get us through and you're in control. We pray your help. We pray your guidance. We pray your blessing. We pray that we would be bold and courageous Christians for your name. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, let me remind you, the greatest insult to God is when we live insecure lives. See, here is Gideon. Gideon's insecure. And here is Saul. Saul also suffered from insecurity and you and i are going to wrestle that same insecurity and that's what i love to do this parallel this morning because i will find our insecurity and we're going to deal with it because we're going to see our insecurity in one of these two guys because like i said insecurity is not just one-sided insecurity has two sides to it and i want us to recognize the differences of insecurity you see everyone around you is wearing a sign that says please say i'm important please accept me. We're all wearing that sign. It's imaginary. It's invisible but we all want acceptance. We all want approval and we all want to feel like we're important. We're somebody. We fit in. We belong. And we'll go to great lengths to try to find acceptance. We'll go to great lengths to find in, and find things to make sure we get the approval. But all of it is stemmed out of our own insecurity in who God has made us to be. And if there's ever a difficulty, ever something that Christians need to wrestle with, it is this thing of insecurity. And we need to see just how it has played out in our own lives you see Saul his problem was he thought too much of himself that's why he was insecure he thought he was big and bad he thought he was is the biggest thing since sliced bread he just thought man the sun doesn't rise until I get up I am Saul he just thought too much of himself That's one side of insecurity where you just think, man, you say, no, no, that's arrogance. That's pride. It stemmed out of this insecurity that you're covering up a lack of character flaws. That's where it stems out of. And here's Gideon, though, on the other side. Gideon thought too little of himself. You say, no, 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 that's humility. No, no, no. The Bible says not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought But that doesn't mean we think lower than we ought. Some of you are going around saying, I'm a failure, I'm an idiot, I'm a moron, I'm stupid, I'll never amount to anything, I can never accomplish anything. Wait a minute, that's also pride, because you're thinking too much about yourself. God is saying, I didn't make junk, I didn't mess up when I made you, so stop going around thinking, man, I'm something great, and stop going around thinking, I'm nothing. Because you're not nothing. I am what he says I am. And in this passage, he comes to Gideon and he says, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, me, the dude who is hiding? Right here? The guy who is trying not to get his food stolen. The guy who's trying to just eke out a living. The guy who just kinda wants to fly under the radar. The guy that just doesn't want to be noticed. The guy that sat at the back of the class, never made eye contact with the teacher, never raised his hand. The guy who in, in, when playing on the basketball team was at the end of the bench because he never really wanted to get playing time. The guy in the boardroom who everybody else was raising their hand telling the boss questions. You're just kinda like, I'm just staying out of it, staying back. That person, that's Gideon. And that may be you this morning. You're thinking, man, I'm just I'm just nobody. I'm just and hang out in the back and you say well no no that's just my personality but what happens when we have that personality is it can turn into a level of pride in the sense we're so insecure about our abilities because something in the past maybe we failed here's Saul he's so built up matter of fact Samuel even told Saul he said when you were little in your own sight That's when God made you the head of Israel. That's when God crowned you king. When you were small in your own eyes. But what happened to you, Saul? Your head got inflated. You believed your own uh, headlines. You started believing the press clippings. You started watching too much of the 6 o'clock news, believing all the great things they were saying about Saul. And man, your ego just got huge. I love my wife. She's wonderful. She's beautiful. If you haven't met her, she's right here. And uh, my wife, she'll say, hey, you want to hear something good? And I'll say, yeah, yeah. And she'll say, no, you don't. And I'll be like, no, no, I want to hear something good and she's like okay and she'll tell me something really good and then she pulls out an imaginary pen and she says ready for it I told you pop. And then she pops that balloon. I'm like, that's messed up. She's like, I just don't want you to get too haughty. Don't want you to get too puffed up. I want you to stay humble. I'm like, there's just, that's, that's, that's like weird kind of thinking, you know, but praise the Lord for her, you know, but I mean, that's sometimes what we need, not to get too wrapped up in ourselves because, believe it or not, Saul, he, his whole ability didn't come from really who he was. It was that God said, hey, I'm going to put you in the right place at the right time in the right family. You're going to meet Samuel at the right time. And here Saul thought, he did it. You and I we can go around thinking like I did it. I'm successful because I did it. I'm I, I'm 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 somebody because I did it. No no no. We need to remember no no, it's because of God. And so here's Gideon. He thought too little of himself, Saul thought too much of himself. Also, Saul trusted himself, Gideon doubted himself. You say, We don't have time to go into this, but there came a time when Samuel, the prophet of the nation of Israel, was supposed to offer the sacrifice. But Samuel, he's old, he was taking a little bit of time, and he wasn't there on time. So Saul decided, I'll offer the sacrifice, which was forbidden for him to do. He wasn't a Levite, he wasn't the prophet of Israel, but he went and offered the sacrifice. And Samuel said, you should not have done this thing. Why? Because Saul thought, I'm the king. He trusted his abilities. He said, surely the king should have a direct line to God. Surely if anybody should be accepted, it should be the king of Israel. And maybe that's how you feel. Oh man, I'm special exemption. I'm related to so-and-so or I've got this or 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 I'm somebody that was Saul's problem and maybe all of a sudden the wheels are starting to turn and here's what I was worried about in this message I began to write it and began to think about it as we talk about these insecurities you're going to think about your insecurities and then you're going to start thinking about other people's insecurities and maybe you've already written down names on your notes and you've shoved your wife you're like He's talking about this person. Don't do that in this message. Because as we start talking about these insecurities, you're going to say, that's why that police officer pulled me over. He was just on a power trip. It's based out of his insecurities. He want to prove somebody. Or maybe that's why the boss said that to me. They were just on a power trip. And all of a sudden, your mind can focus on them, and you're going to relive a past bad memory. Or you're going to be like, that was a college professor. Or that's why that teacher did that. I don't want us to go there. I want us to say, God, what are my insecurities? And let's deal with those. And let's not worry about anybody else. But this will explain why your boss may act a certain way. This will explain why some people do certain things. It's based out of their own insecurity. You see, Saul trusted himself. Gideon doubted himself. Saul's temperament was paranoid. Gideon's temperament was passive. Saul was worried that somebody was going to take over the kingdom. And he was worried that somebody was David. And he was always on guard. David's after me. David wants my throne. David's to be feared. David's a force to be reckoned with. I got to watch out for David. I worked at this place called Steinmart. Anybody ever heard of a Steinmart? There's a few of you. Wow, I didn't think you'd ever heard of Steinmark. I like Steinmark. It's kind of like a nice Ross, okay? Ross uses the clothes. It's easier to find them on the floor than it is on the racks. And so Steinmark, it was nice and clean, okay? And I worked there, but I had a manager. His name was Mark. And every Friday, Mark would go into where we would keep all the recordings of, um, you know, just kind of all the security footage. And he would go in there, and he would get all the tapes from that week back in the VHS tapes. I know I'm losing some of the younger constituents here when we talk about VHS, but yes, there were such things as VHS, there were black tapes. So and so, ask your grandpa, he'll remember. And uh, um, and, and he he would get all the tapes from that week, and I kid you not, on top of the tapes, he would have a microwave thing of popcorn, and he would take them home every Friday. And I asked Mark, I was like, Mark, is that so you can catch anybody shoplifting? He's like, no, it's so I can watch you guys just to make sure you're not doing anything. I was like, are you serious? Like, you're worried about us stealing? Then why'd you hire us? You're the guy that can hire and fire. If you're worried, if you're that paranoid, then don't hire us. He would do this. He would, there was a break room and there was a long hallway. He would walk over to the door in the hallway. He would open the door and close it, but he wouldn't leave. And he would stand by the door and listen to see if anybody would be talking about him in the break room. He was so paranoid. Some of you are like, my wife, no, 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 just kidding, don't do that, don't do it. Or maybe you're thinking about somebody, you're thinking, man, this person is just like that, they're so paranoid. Well, that is our temperament, and it's based out of an insecurity that we have. What are they saying about me? What do they think about me? And we have to wrestle with our own insecurity, saying, wait a minute, is this the type of person that, that, that I'm supposed to be? You see, Saul's temperament was paranoid, but Gideon's temperament was passive. He was so insecure about his abilities, he didn't want to do anything. Why? Because he was afraid he would fail. You ever been there? Oh, no, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't help out or I couldn't usher. I might, I might mess up and you go passive. Oh, I'll never be the father that I want to be. And you go passive. So you don't do anything at all. Or, Or, or I'll never be that, that, that leader at the workplace. And so you just, you just never make any strides. You're just like, I never showed up on time before. Why start now? You just go passive. And that's another form of insecurity. It's an insecurity that I'll never amount to anything. So why start trying now? I've never made it in high school, and what's bad is you and I, we believe what they wrote in our high school yearbook. Most likely to succeed, most likely to fail, most ugly, most beautiful, uh, uh, happiest person in the world, most likely to be president, most likely to be first female president, whatever. And we start believing it, whether it's good or bad, and we let it speak into our lives almost as it's prophetic. And for some of you, that turns you into this paranoid person, worry about losing your position, and for some of you, you just go passive because you say, I'll never amount to anything. Look at my yearbook. Sixth grade. Look what Susie said about me. Said I was freckle face. And I'll never be more than freckle face. Oh my goodness. We need to get out. I'm being silly. But you get the point. That it goes to a deeper issue in our lives. That we will base our insecurities off of something that happened in the past. And we'll never move past it. See Gideon for seven years they've been enslaved to the Midianites. And so he just thinks we're always going to be enslaved. And God said, no, I've got something for you. So Saul's temperament was paranoid. Gideon's temperament was passive. Saul tried to manipulate people. Gideon tried to miss out on his purpose. Saul used David so many times. Saul used his own daughter. He told David, hey, if you'll kill so many Philistines, you can marry my daughter. He was hoping that David would die in the process, but he was willing to manipulate people. You ever been around somebody like that? They'll manipulate people. They'll get people to lie. They'll get people to say things. They just think that, man, I'm going to try to manipulate this situation to fit. Maybe we have some manipulative tendencies in our own life where we can spin the conversation so we're never wrong. I'll be honest. I have that problem. My wife will address some things in my life, and I'll say, "No, no, no, I'm not wrong. And I can flip that thing on its head and make it seem like you're the worst person. And I have to be on guard about that because that's a form of insecurity. Instead of just saying, you're right, I'm wrong, and accept it, confess it, forsake it, and get over it. Instead, I say, no, 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 there's got to be a problem in your life. And all of a sudden, I'm going through this mental file that we keep. This is why we keep mental files on people. So when we run into them. When they do us wrong, or we're in an argument. Man, we just go back to that mental file. We're just going, oh, where's that file? Ah, I found it. 1989, July the 1st. I'm going back. And you'll find something that most normal people would say, what are you talking about? That was so long ago. Can't you let it go? Absolutely not. Because they want to have some power over you. That's why they'll never forget it. And they'll never let you forget it. And it's this thing that they use whenever you do something wrong, whenever they want you to do something that that you don't want to do, they'll say, "Um, remember that time when I did this. That's why some of you have a very hard time asking anybody to do anything for you. Because there's somebody in your life that any time you ever ask them, they kind of held it over your head for the rest of your life. And it was manipulation. But it was based out of this whole insecurity that they can't have a normal relationship with you because a normal relationship says, hey, can I borrow your truck? A normal relationship says, hey, can I, can I ask you to watch our kids? A normal relationship would just say, hey, based out of the friendship, can we have this relationship? Now, I got to manipulate to get what I want insecurity, folks. So that was Saul's problem. He was willing to manipulate David. Hey, guess what? He was the king, head and shoulders. He should have fought Goliath, but he doesn't. And we're going to, Lord willing, get to that next week. He, instead, he said, hey, whoever fights Goliath goes tax-free. They get to marry my daughter. That, he went through all these things. Manipulating, instead of taking care of what God wanted him to do. And here was Gideon on the other side. Gideon, instead of his, his whole thing was I'm just going to miss out on my purpose. God said, Gideon, i mighty man of valor. I'm going to use you to deliver these people. I'm going to use you to do something great. And Gideon was like, I'm not the guy for it. So there's two sides to our insecurity. And I know that kind of turned into a little teachy, little seminar, I know. But we're going to kind of get rolling now. Notice if you would, verse number 12 of Genesis. Sorry, Judges chapter number 6. Verse number 12, here's what the Bible says. Let me turn there real quick so we can see it. In the life of Gideon, we see that he had some defining moments. I think I put movements in your notes on accident. I'm going to fire my secretary. I don't have a secretary, but if I did, I'd fire him for that mistake. But in verse number 12, here's what the Bible says. And the angel of the Lord appeared on him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And here he was in a difficult situation. He's down in a pit. And when you're in a pit, everything looks pitiful. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Thanks. I appreciate that. All week. All week was working on that. Okay. It takes me hours to come up with that. I'm glad you appreciated it. All right. But when you're in that pit, we need to say, wait a minute. Where is God? God is not in that pit with him. He was up by the tree sitting down talking to Gideon. And see, God doesn't see him in a pit. God sees something else. Understand this. I need to come up higher to get a better perspective. I need to come up out of the pit to get a better perspective. Some of you, your life just stinks right now, and it's because you're in this pit and you're thinking, everything stinks. Of course it does. Because everything around you just looks pitiful. Because you're down in the pit, instead of saying, wait a minute, I need to come up out of this, and then I can get a better perspective. If we were to go to the book of Revelation, we don't have time, chapter 4, verse number 1, the Bible says to the apostle John, the revelator, he said, come up higher, and I will show you things which you need to see. You and I, we need to have that same moment where God lets us come up higher to get his perspective. You say, I physically can't fly, I can't get up higher i'm on a two-story building right now that's about as high as i'm gonna get i'm afraid of heights we get up higher when we get in god's word because god's word gives us that greater perspective when we get in his word all of a sudden we have this elevated perspective of our difficulties we have an elevated perspective of our situation as we get into god's word because his view his word will help us to see things because guess what i don't necessarily doubt what god's word says about god that's not where my problem is folks our problem is we doubt what God's word says about us. That's where we doubt. We doubt that when God says I'm righteous, we, we know what we did the other day. We know what we thought. And we're, when God's word says, hey, you were declared righteous, we were like, eh, yeah, maybe today I'm in church and uh, everything's good. And I'm not thinking that. I'm not saying that. I'm not doing that. But you should have seen me the other day. I wasn't righteous. And God said, yes, you were. Because it's easy for us to believe what God's word says about him and not what God's word says about us. And we need to go back to God's word and say, that needs to become my identity. And get over our insecurity about what God's word says. And here Gideon, he can't just simply say, if God says it, that settles it. If God says I'm mighty, if God says he'll deliver the people, then that that means it's going to happen. For some of you, God is saying, hey, I will give you freedom. I will give you deliverance from the addiction. I will give you deliverance from that. And you're saying, "Uh, I just don't think it's possible. And we start wrestling with that. But realize that defining moments will reveal our identity. God was going to use that moment. This defining moment. You see, Gideon, he was in a difficult situation. Matter of fact, Gideon doubted God's concern in this passage. He doubted if God even cared. And God had to deal with him on a couple things in this passage. Gideon said, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? There's four key words in verse 13. There's the word if, why, where, but. There are all these questions. All these doubts. And God's coming into your life, and he's speaking truth into your life, and you're like, where, if, but, why, how, when, what's going to happen? It's all your doubts. He doubted God's concern. And some of you, you're saying, I'm past that point. I, I don't know if God even cares about me. He's saying, for years, God, you just kind of left us to be um, uh, uh, taken over by the Midianites, to be slain, to be killed, our crops to, to be taken. We're starving. And God, what are you, where have you been? He doubted God's concern. And some of you, you're in that same predicament. You're, you want to move forward in your life, but you're just doubting that God even cares about your situation because you've been in the situation for so long, you've almost kind of just given up hope. And when you give up hope, you're just more insecurity sets in. Instead of moving on in victory and who God has called you to be, there's just this insecurity. So Gideon doubted God's concern. Gideon doubted God's choice. You say, what do you mean? He doubted God's choice. And he said to them, oh, my Lord, where shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. He, deleted, he didn't even believe God's choice of who God was calling. God, he's like, God, do you see who I am? And this is going to hit us right right at home. Because some of you, you, you moms out there, you're just like, I'm a terrible mom. And God's like, what? Some of you dads, it's Father's Day next week. And you're like, man, I'm, I'm not the right dad. Some of us, you know, you feel like, man, I'm serving at this church and I'm doing this, but uh, I shouldn't be serving. I'm not that, I'm not a good person. And all of a sudden, we just start doubting God's choice and who he chose. I'll be honest, this church doesn't have the best pastor in the world. It doesn't. It never will. You say, why? Because we're all sinful. We're all fallen. I'm sinful. I'm fallen. This church will never have the best church members in the world. You say, oh, man, that's it. I'm leaving. I'm walking out right now. No, no. It's because we're fallen people. We're broken people. We're broken lives. But that's not the end, though. God chose us. God's working in this situation. But for some of us, we're going to bail out before we let God even finish. We're going we're to say, hey, where are the exit signs? Okay, I got one there and one back over there. Plan our little exit strategy. How can I exit? How can I get out of this phase in my life? Instead of saying, wait a minute. God wants to do something. I'm going to stop doubting God's choice. God chose you before the foundations of the world. I love going to the passage in Isaiah. It says, before I formed thee in thy mother's womb, I knew you. God says, I picked you. You're special. You're my masterpiece. You're my creation. You're the one I want to use. You may not be the best dad in the world, but guess what? You're the only dad your kids have right now. So be the best that you can be. You may not be the best mom in the world, but guess what? You're the only mom your kids have. So be the best that you can be. Go in this thy might. Hey, I may not be the best pastor in the world, but guess what? I got to go in the strength that God has given me. You may not be the best church member in the world, but you have to go in the strength that God has given you. And we can get all frustrated and all bent out of shape, and we can say I'm a failure and I'm this instead of saying wait a minute. But I'm, I'm the one though. Hey, you may not be the smartest person in your school, but you know what? You're in the school. Make the best of it. You may not be the best employer at that job, but guess what? You may be the only Christian employer, employee, so be the best one you could be. And don't worry about the doubt. Don't worry about God. You choose the right one. God didn't make a wrong choice. When he chose you, he had 7.2 billion people to pick from. That should make you feel pretty darn good, folks, that he had a whole bunch of people he could have picked from, but he picked you. And he said, I'm going to put you in that place. He said, man, I was telling my wife, I was like, we were talking about the 80s or the 90s. And I was like, the 90s are kind of like the throw up from the 80s. It's just kind of like the 80s just regurgitated and that was kind of like the 90s or something. And maybe you feel like, I should have lived back in the 90s or I should have been lived back in the 50s and, and you want to pick and choose. But understand, God placed you there because he wants to use you in that time, in that place, in that situation. Go and listen to the strength that you have. Some of you may be looking at the person down the row from you or across from you or behind you and saying, if I had their strength or if I had their position, if I had their job, if I had their spouse, if I had their temperament, if I, had, if, I, if I even had their insecurities, I'd be so much better. But here's the problem. You don't know the story behind their glory. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what their story's taken them. You don't know the hurts and the pains that have gotten them to where they're at. We just look at, the glory, we don't see the story behind it. We just want to, man, we want to see the highlight reel. And we see our own blooper reel. That's how we see life. Everything's just kind of all our mistakes. And we see our friends and our neighbors, and we look at their Instagram, we just feel like a failure. Man, Mother's Day came around and saw what all these people did. I should get you a picture of what I made for Jane. I was going to make these crepes, these um, uh, red, uh, red chocolate, whatever, velvet yeah, pant crepes and everything and I found it. She she had tagged it on Pinterest. And uh, so I was like, she tagged it, so I'm going to make it. And I got up real early, stayed up real late getting all the ingredients, and I made it. And, man, I put it all together, rolled it up, made this cream, put it on it. And I even made some for my kids. My kids would not touch it. My wife would not touch it. And I took a picture off of Pinterest, and I held it up to mine, and it looked disgusting. It didn't even come close. And I see these other guys. They got, like, Emerald to come and make this little awesome meal. And they're all cool crafty, and they made all these cool things for their wife. My stuff just looked so dumb. And I started to feel insecure and I just started to feel like, man, I stink. Why? Insecurity. But wait a minute. she stuck with me. Praise God. So I need to be the best husband that I can be. And stop worrying about, did God pick the right one? And stop worrying about the choice. I got news for you. It wasn't your choice to make. It wasn't your choice to make. It was his. And he made the choice for you. He said, this place, this time, go in this thy strength. This week, go in this thy strength. Tomorrow morning, get up in this thy strength. Tomorrow, when you hit that day and you're, you're starting your day good, and that coworker that just, man, they just constantly just digging at you and digging at you and digging at you. You go in this thy strength and don't let it get to you. When the traffic gets bad, you go in this thy strength. When your day, you got the coffee and it seems good, you need to go in this thy strength instead of getting upset, instead of getting frustrated and say, you know what? I'm going to stop doubting God's choice. I'm going to stop doubting God's capability because God can do great things through me, and God does. we got to go to chapter 8, and I'm running out of time. Notice this. Real quick, chapter 8. See, Gideon, we know the story. Gideon, he takes over the three, uh, he he conquers. 300 men, they take over. But in chapter 8, I love this portion of scripture. In verse number 1, the Bible says, And the men of Ephraim said unto him, Why hast thou served us this? And then they called us not when thou wentest to fight with the Midianites. And they did chide with him sharply. And he said unto them, What have I done now in comparison to you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abishai? God hath delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb, and Zeb. And what is I, I will also do in comparison to you. Then their anger was abated towards him, and when he had said that, Gideon came to Jordan, passed over, he and the 300 men that were with him, faint yet pursuing, and he said unto the men of Succoth, Give, I pray you, loaves of bread unto the people that follow me, for they be faint, and I am pursuing after Zeba and Zalma, kings of Midian. And the princes of Succoth said, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalma now in the hand that we should give bread unto thine army? Get this, and Gideon said, Therefore, And when the Lord hath delivered Ziba and Zelma into mine hand, then I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What happened in two chapters? We went from passive, afraid, in a pit, in a wine press. Now... Here's a trash talking, taking names, chasing people with desert thorns and briars. Here's a, here's like a dude you don't want to mess with. What happened in two chapters? He refused to give in to his insecurity. He refused to say, that's all I am. In two chapters, he makes a switch. He makes the switch. But guess what? Saul in his life never made the switch. So in Two minutes. We got to go real quick. How do you make that switch? I know we're running out of time. I told you, and we would take up too too much time. But and we, you say, what is the difference? How how do I make the difference? Because if there's two types of insecurity, there's one that's too much, there's one that's too little. Where do I find where God wants to be to be? Did you notice in chapter number six, the Bible said, and I got to go there real quick. I'll read it for you. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee. Fear not. Thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar unto the Lord and called Jehovah Shalom. And to this day, it is yet in Oprah of the Abra'ites. That means the Lord is peace. Peace is really the absence of fear. That's when we get peace. But yet, how many times do we see in the life of Saul over and over? It says he was afraid of David. He was afraid of David. He was afraid of David. Here's what happens. Your insecurity is birthed out of fear. That's where it's birthed out of. Your insecurity is birthed out of fear. Fear births envy. Envy births jealousy. Jealousy versus anger. And anger leads to the dark side. That's what Yoda said anyway. And all of a sudden, we got to say, wait a minute. No, I I, got to deal with my fear. Because that's where the insecurity came from. I'm afraid that I'll fail. I'm afraid I won't live up to the expectation. I'm afraid that they want more out of me than I can give. I'm afraid I'm not the man or the woman up for the challenge. I'm afraid of this. That's where my insecurities birthed out of. But Gideon said, I'm going to conquer the fear. Gideon said, hey, Jehovah Shalom. God is my peace. Where there is peace, there's no fear. I can't have peace and fear coexist. It doesn't happen. But Saul never dealt with his fear. He never dealt with the fear of David may be the next king. All right. That's what God said. David and Saul never dealt with the fear that, hey, my position isn't permanent. He never got over that. But Gideon, he said, wait a minute, I do need to deal with this fear. God says I won't die. God says he's with me. God says I'm a mighty man of valor, and I'm going to start believing what God says about me. I'm going to stop insulting God with my insecurity, and I will deal with my fear. What fear are you letting plague you this morning? What fear are you so afraid of? You're so afraid of confront that person. You're so afraid of trying that new thing. You're so afraid of starting that new job. You're so afraid of talking and restoring that relationship. There's so much fear. In your life, and it's driving this insecurity and suspicious cycle. It's just destroying you. We want to be Gideon, judge chapter number eight. This trash talk and name taking, desert born thorns and. F- briars. That's the person we need to be, where we are courageously doing what God has called us to do. But for some of us, this fear has got us strangled. It's got a chokehold on our life, and that's where this fear is birthed out of. You see, that fear, it'll cause you to despair. It'll cause you to be depressed, and it'll cause you to lose your determination. You won't push through the difficult moments. You won't make it because you are giving in to the fear. The Bible says, there is no fear in love, but perfect fear, perfect love casts out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. The Bible says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's what God's given you. God said, I've given you power. I've given you a sound mind and love. That's what God's given you. So who gives the fear? We talked about this last week. We said, Satan, the enemy has no power except the power that we give over to him. Because the Bible says, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. So, We're giving him this power. You know, we're giving him power when we let him in on these fears that we have. And for some of you, that fear is getting a stranglehold on your life. And you will never move past your insecurity until you say, wait a minute, I'm going to deal with these insecurities. I'm going to deal with the fear that it was birthed out of. Because there is more to you than meets the eye, folks. There is so much more to you, and we've got to see that. We've got to understand that what God's word says about me is true, and start believing it. The psalmist said this I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. I will look to the Lord. Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number one. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Where are your eyes this morning? Where are you looking? Where's your focus? Because If we will get to the point where we say, I want to see as God says, that will become your reality. But if you're just constantly giving into, no, 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 I'm I'm, I'm looking at something else and you're going to miss out. You see, your identity is not up for grabs. It's not. But who you think you are is up for grabs. Let's stop insulting God with our insecurities and start dealing with those fears that are crippling us this morning. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning.